Welcome to Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio, brought to you by Visit Anderson, South Carolina, home of beautiful Lake Hartwell. The Rapala family of fishing products, including VMC hooks and 13 fishing rods, reels, and more, and the Bass Angler Sportsman Society. Now, here's your host, lifetime BASS member, Tom Abraham. Welcome to this week's episode of Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio. I am Tom Abraham, your guide for the next hour as we feature the Bassmaster Elite Series and those looking to get into that exclusive group through the St. Croix Bassmaster Open Series and the up-and-comers on the Strike King Bassmaster College Series and the tens of thousands of Bass Nation anglers around the country competing on the local level, all with a chance to advance to the big leagues of professional fishing. Now, the Bass Nation operates youth, high school, and college programs, including a junior bass Bassmaster Championship, High School National Championship, College National Championship, and the College Bracket Event, leading to a Bassmaster Classic birth. The Bass Nation is at the grassroots of who we are, and for more information about how to become a member or to start a Bass Nation club, visit Bassmaster.com and click on the Nation tab. Now, the best way to communicate with the show is to visit our Facebook fan page at Facebook.com forward slash Bass or on Twitter at Bassmaster and use the hashtag Bass Radio. You can also listen to all the shows at Bassmaster.com forward slash radio or just hit the Anglers tab at Bassmaster.com and click on Bassmaster Radio. Our first cast segment of the show is brought to you by 13 fishing and we have a great deal for you right now the gerald swindle design meta series rods and inception g2 reels are available at 13fishing.com along with all their other great products and for a limited time you can get 20 percent off your entire order by using the discount code bass radio 20 that's bass radio 20 only at 13fishing.com now i fish these rods and reels myself and could not be happier get 20 percent off with the code bass radio 20 well, the open season is in the books, and we have nine new elites, and all of them will be featured on the show over the next three weeks. JT Tompkins capped off an incredible year and was the angler of the year and is coming up later on in today's show. The last man in was Kyle Patrick, who won at Lake of the Ozarks and clocked in at 79 at the Harris Chain to hold his spot. And finishing eighth in the points was Logan Parks, who knows something about big-time fishing, having competed at Auburn and also having won the Bass Pro Shops U.S. Open National National Bass Fishing Amateur Team Championship in 2021, which was good for a million dollars with his partner Tucker Smith, plus a Toyota Tundra and a Nitro Bass Boat. Now, Logan is now an elite, and he's coming up today as well. But we also had a winner at the Harris Chain, and it was a young man who knows something about winning down there, Matt Messer. And Messer took home over $42,000 for the win, which is just slightly more than he and his brother made when they blew away the field in the college event there last year. And Matt joins us now in a Rapala winner's circle, and he's on the VMC hook. Matt, congratulations, and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, man. Happy to be here. Well, it's the second time we've had you on because the last time we were talking to you and your brother, uh, and and you guys had that ridiculous eighty something pound three day total at the Strike King College event down there, and you destroyed the rest of the field. That was all uh, in Beauclair, you know, on a magic spot of shell bed. That isn't the way this went down for you, though, is it? No, this week was a little different. It's actually, about the complete opposite. <laughs> We'll talk about it a little bit, and, uh, and and I assume that first you checked on those shell beds to, to see what there was before you decided to go the route you went. Yeah, uh, I checked them first thing, and, I mean, the video got out on them. That place is no secret now. There was boats all over it. Every time I would go over there, there would be 25 boats practicing around it. And uh, I really fished shell most practice. Like went, I idled pretty much spent all my time idling looking offshore and because that's what i always do down there always believed that it couldn't multi-day tournaments could not get one on the bank on that place but practice most of my practice out there and hadn't found anything and i was like this ain't something ain't right this offshore fish something's going on so then i ended up didn't even really practice the bank very much i knew about the stretch of pads that i ended up catching the big ones out of but i went over and just got one bite and didn't even see it like didn't even sting him i just knew that there was a bass there so i was like all right whatever and then when i were left to practice i pick up a booger man buzz bait and hit the semi line and catch like a five and a three and then have to get off the water so i really didn't know what to expect going into it but i knew that i was going to go be shallow throw braid all day and beat the bank 
Um, talk about that Kissimmee grass. I I fished this tournament as well as a co angler, and 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 obviously it just it all looks the same. It's everywhere. Is there any rhyme or reason to it? It's in all of the different lakes and so on as well. Is there was there a specific depth? Or, uh, were you looking for different kinds of grass within the Kissimmee grass? Uh, talk to me a little bit about what it was and how you broke it down. Well, I haven't really done it, the Kissimmee grass stuff much because, like I said, I always say offshore. But the certain area, I only had like a 100-yard stretch that I could get bit in, and it was there was eelgrass and shell like right up against the edge of the whole stretch right there. So, I mean, I assumed I'm not no Kissimmee grass expert, but that's definitely why I think they were holding there. So, again, it was one of these deals where you found kind of a honey hole, uh, you know, a, an area. Um, that So it wasn't like they were everywhere you went when you fished Kissimmee grass. It was just in that particular spot. Yeah, I could fish for a mile. Well, I did, actually, where I found it. I probably went for 600 yards just going straight and then got to one spot and caught a five and a three and then come back in the tournament, and it was still the same stretch. They I, Either side of it couldn't catch them. Right there in that one little sweet spot, there was, a lot of bass there, actually, if I could just kill them by. Matt Messer with us here. Now, it wasn't a great year for you, and uh, you and your brother, you, you kind of pull your, your notes and, and you travel together and so on. Got another guy with you uh, as well. But, you know, you don't win this tournament or have a big, you know, uh, check in this tournament. Chances are you're not fishing the Opens next year, right? I mean, this was like, uh, this was okay. The money's running out. <laughs> we better win this thing. Yeah. Yeah, where we left, that's what me and my brother were sitting, rigging rods, had our boat side to side, and we was talking, and we didn't really see no way that it was possible to go down there, or possible to fish the Opens next year. So we said, well, we better go win some money this week, and it ended up happening. No, it did happen. It happened for you uh, in a big way, for sure. And um, he had a pretty good event, too. Talk to us about how you share information, and, 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 and was he doing the same type of thing you were? Well, I mean, we don't share spots, but, like, obviously I go, I caught them ones on a buzz bait in practice. I told him, caught them on a buzz bait, whatever, fish, semi grass, steel grass in front of it. And then I caught a couple. The pad stuff, really, kind of, I couldn't share that with him in practice because I didn't even know it yet. Like, that, I figured that out in the tournament. And I went over, had a stretch pad, and caught two sevens and a three out of them in, like, an hour, and I had to run back. So, telling that on day one, and... I don't I he did do it some, but he ended up catching his two big ones. He just he figured something out on day two, but it was around similar stuff. Like we help each other out a lot and it's really that's a big thing. Him, Lace and Bo Thomas travel with me and that really helps to have some people to bounce ideas off of. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um talk to us about your technique in the pads. You know, what was it how you were attacking him uh, in the pads? Yeah, I just Big braid flipping. I had a three-quarter ounce weight pegged on a Berkeley accent creature hog, black and blue. And it was not very good, really. I mean, they were good pads, and they had some big ones in them. But it's nothing like you look at 24-pound, most of the time you think somebody just went and caught them, like, real good. But I went over there and flipped pads and only got three bites on day one doing it. It was mm. very hard to get on the bite, but I knew that there was big ones there. I was very confident that if I just stuck around it, I would end up getting the bites to put me where I ended up getting to. Yeah, Matt Messer with us here coming off his win at the St. Croix Bassmaster Open at the Harris Chain. As I said, $42,000. Oh, by the way, you're fishing the Classic uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, yeah. or 90 miles from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I mean, uh, that that is that part of it really sunk in yet when you started thinking about it? You're driving back to Kentucky, and you're thinking, uh, I'm going to be in the Classic. Yeah, I mean, I had talked about it, but really – I got I'm so competitive, and I got so fixated on just how bad I wanted to win that it kind of slipped my mind. And I'm driving back, got music jamming out or whatever, and started thinking. And I was like, uh oh, I'm going to pick out a walkout song. So it was <laughs> it was real then. It kind of sunk in. I was pretty pumped. Yeah, that is uh, that is exciting stuff. There's no doubt about it. Um, so, you know, talk about 24 pounds on day one. You had a, a significant lead. It only turns into a two-day tournament. Did you feel like it was slipping away a little bit on uh, on day two, on Championship Saturday? Absolutely. I was very confident in what I was doing, but I fished. I mean, I went to that section of pads and flipped for like six hours, I believe, and 
got one big bite is like a seven pounder and didn't get it in the boat. So I kind of thought that I might have messed up doing it, but I knew that the bite was there to win it. I didn't really, I mean, the thing about Harris chain is you're never safe. It, you never know whenever you're going to come in and somebody caught two eight pounders and jump up the leaderboard and beat you. So no, I didn't feel very good coming in about it. I figured I'd probably lost that one, but it ended up working out. Yeah, it did work out in a big way as you got the victory, uh, not by a lot, one pound, 12 ounce win uh, in this uh, in this one, uh, taking down Blake Sylvester in it uh, as well. Did you have confidence finally going into the event, knowing that you guys had had success there in the past? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, I mean, now it's grown to be, I'd have to say, my favorite fishery in the country. And for some reason, a couple boys from eastern Kentucky <laughs> really have a good understanding of what them Florida bass are doing on the chain. So, yeah, we felt good about it. It's uh, That's a place that 90% of the fish live in 10% of the water. So, right. it's, I mean, you're liable to go down there and fish all week and never find nothing. But you really cover enough area, really fish. It's not – we've never been able to find something that it's like, all right, we can pull up here and get a bite. Yeah. It seems like every time we find something, it's like, pull up here we're gonna catch 25 pounds <laughs> yeah that's right. it's one good area <laughs> the mother load uh so to speak well congratulations on the win good stuff and we wish you the best of luck we'll see you at okeechobee next year to kick off the open season and of course at the bassmaster classic in tulsa uh next march as well matt messer has been our guest uh thanks matt yep thank you all right we'll get a break in here we'll come back with more right after this this is phoenix boats bassmaster radio on the bassmaster radio network at Phoenix Boats, everyone has a passion for bass fishing. From the founder and Elite Series Pro, Gary Klaus, down to the guy who affixes the final decal. Gary says, this passion has shaped our lives and it has brought about many of the fishing features that you see on the Phoenix today. Our goal is to make every boat that goes out the door the best fishing platform it can be in both design and construction for our customers. When I toured the plant, it was clear that Phoenix uses only the highest quality materials and that the craftsmanship was second to none. I'm Tom Abraham and I too run a Phoenix boat and am extremely proud to carry the Phoenix logo on my gear. I've known Gary Klaus since he started the company and what he, Teresa Johnson, and the rest of the team at Phoenix Boats have created is truly remarkable. The highest quality boats built by anglers for anglers. This isn't just a saying, it's a passion at Phoenix. View the entire lineup at phoenixboats.com and get started on yours today. Take it from me, it's time to experience the Phoenix difference. Five fish for 22 pounds even, becoming a two-time Bassmaster Angler of the Year. Hi, I'm Gerald Swindle, Bassmaster member. I don't care if I'm in California, Oregon, or France. If I see a bass sticker in a window of a truck or a car, I got something in common with that person. Why don't you come and join me and you be a member? Get these free gifts when you join today, a $50 value. Go to Bassmaster.com join and become a member of America's leading bass fishing organization. Hey gang, Tom Abraham here for my friends at 13 Fishing. I can't tell you how excited I was to learn that two-time Bassmaster Angler of the Year, Gerald Swindle, had teamed up with the crew at 13 Fishing to build the ultimate rod and reel series that combines quality with a price point that works for all. The result is the metal line of rods and the Inception G2 line of reels designed to the exacting standards of the G-Man. This is the same gear Gerald bagged over 100 pounds of fish with at Lake Fork last season. Look for them this spring. This is your boy Seth Fighter, and I'm going to give you my picks for the Rapala Fantasy Fishing. That's kind of where my classic. picks are going, guys who are good little egg time. Got a lot of experience. Uh, I think he led a day or two last year. Post-spawn fish that are a little bit finicky. They've been, you know, hit pretty hard through the storm. They wanted to feed up. But in bucket A, there was one name that jumped out on that list. Me! Welcome back to Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio. Now, here's your host, Tom Abraham. And welcome back, Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio. You know, it was just a few weeks ago that we talked to Kyle Patrick because he had won at the uh, St. Croix Bassmaster Open at Lake of the Ozarks. And so we talked to him in the Rapala Winter Circle. 
and uh, and we wish them the best of luck. And we knew he had a great chance now to hang on and make the uh, and make the elites for 2024. He was the last man in, finishing 79th at the Harris Chain. And you're not going to believe the way he finished 79th. I'm going to let him tell the story. He joins us now on the VMC hook. Uh, Kyle, welcome back to the show, man. Uh, this is two times in you know about a month. That's not bad. No, not bad at all. I'll take it. I mean, uh, it's always good when you're getting press and, and publicity. Um, so it's, uh, it's exciting to be back on. Well, you're going to be getting a lot more publicity as uh, an elite series angler now. But you got to tell the story because you were you were hanging on by a thread. Uh, you finished 79th to get there. You, you, you got some good horses behind you that were trying to make it into the top 10 to make it to the elites. And uh, and Bobby Lane was right on your tail as well. So talk to me a little bit about how you got to 19 pounds and 7 ounces over two days to secure your spot in the elite. Man, it's uh, I knew that it, I had some uh, – so I was in six after Ozarks. I knew I had a bunch of guys behind me. I knew I had a little wiggle room. I, I think it was like I had 46 spots on 11th at that time so um i knew i was i knew i wasn't in but i knew if i had a decent finish like above a 50 it was almost guaranteed um but you know i I knew that falling a little bit you know i could have like an 80 plus and still have a chance but Mm -hmm. i didn't i figured bobby lane was gonna hammer him um and you know that sort of was taken out of consideration uh but no i mean day one i had 11 pounds change. So I was like, okay, I can just, you know, if I can replicate that, you know, the, the chain was fishing really tough. Yeah. Um, as you saw by the weights, like, I mean, if you had 10 pounds a day, you were close to being paid. Well, well, I maybe. saw by, I saw by fishing it. I was in the tournament. So, <laughs> so I saw how oh, yeah. I was fishing it. Yeah, so I it saw how brutal. rough it was. It was, it was brutal. I mean, there were a lot of 12 and a half inch fish being caught and then there'd be a seven and then there'd be a bunch of 12 and a half fish, uh, 12 and a half yep. inch fish yep. again. Yeah. It made it tough. It made it super tough. And yeah, so day one had 11, caught two out of brush piles and three in the backs of canals. Um, and the key was they had to have like water movement. Uh, you know, there had to be some sort of, whether it was a spring or, a, you know, inflow of water somewhere, a pipe, especially with that rain we had. Um, unfortunately, day one, I had some really good canals and I was about 179. And so I didn't get in any of them, but it was funny. Like the boat draws really matter, right? Cause yeah. on day one, I had a long day. I was able to sort of gauge what, you know, what was going on. And I had a lot of time because on day one, I only had three fish at like two o'clock. And I, ch- my check-in time was five, five, four, five thirty-five or something. So I had a lot of time and I found this one canal that was productive that not a lot of people were, were in. Um, and I knew that, you know, there was a lot of resident fish in there, but I kind of milked it on day one. Day two came around and I gambled. Um, I ran to a paca because I was boat like 14 on day, day two. So I figured, you know what? I know a is fishing the best. I really didn't want to gamble the lock, but you're, I'm not going to make the leap by, you know, playing it safe, especially when I didn't have that much stuff to play safe on. Like I didn't really have much to, to, to feel like I could catch 10 pounds. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to risk it. Um, Explain to people how long it takes to get to a popka uh, from where we launched yeah. in, in Harris. Cause that's, that's, that takes a minute now you're talking about, a, a, you know, a ways. Yeah. I mean, not only that, but the variables with the lock and mm-hmm. uh, there was a log jammed in that lock and they were like, yeah, we know it's jammed. We're going to run it anyway. So I was like, Oh gosh, coming back, he had to like open part of the lock for me. Mm-hmm. like part of like the the other side so the water would actually drain out because the log was jammed in a way so that when you were coming out of a popka it was l- like leaking so much water that mm. the the water inside the lock wouldn't drop because that's how much water was being <laughs> pulled out um it, it was crazy but so yeah i went there got a three pounder and and punched up a one one and a quarter maybe so I had like four pounds, uh, and I called an audible. I just left and went straight to my canal. I caught two keepers right off the bat, and then I sat in there for the rest of my time. And within ten minutes, ten minutes left, I had four fish for like six and a half, seven or seven pounds, seven in a slow change, and I caught a fourteen ounce keeper with ten minutes to go that ended up sealing the deal on the elite. So 
you know, Matt Airy said it on live. Um, my buddy said, he said, that is the smallest, biggest bass of Kyle's life. Yeah. Um, like, it, it, you know, it could end up being, and it, and it was, because shockingly, Bobby didn't catch him as good as I thought he would. I, I really figured it was over um, when I weighed in that day. Yeah, I wanted to take me through the ride uh, back in. You were in Harris Lake, so you didn't have much of a ride to to get back to the weigh-in. So, so what 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 is going through your mind as you're coming in, and uh, are you thinking, my gosh, I, I I blew this deal. I was sixth coming into this tournament, yeah. and I'm going to fall out of the top ten. Yep, I I really truly did, and the the you know I I knew that I had done what I needed to do. Like I I really did feel like you know I didn't regret any decisions that I made mm. in the tournament. Um, but it was sad, man. I mean, the, 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 the camera guy was like, what will it mean to you to make the elite? And I just looked at him and I was like, I, man, I, it would mean the world, but I just don't, I don't think it's going to happen this year. Um, and I, hindsight, I wish I was a little more excited, but how can you be when you, you catch eight pounds yeah, right. on day two in the last event, try to make it. It's like, it's pretty. It's pretty heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, Kyle. Um, Kyle Patrick with us, uh, Cooperstown, New York, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's the first Elite Series pro uh, in the history of the Elite Series from Cooperstown, New York, home of the Baseball Hall of Fame. So, uh, so that's got to be a pretty big deal back home. Yeah, no, it is. It's been crazy. Um, a lot of local like newspaper coverage, and um, all the guys in my my local bass club where I started the mm-hmm. Atlanta bass association. They're all thrilled. Um, it's just kind of crazy. It happened really quickly, man. I, I fished my all nine for the first time last year. So like I, I knew I had it, but man, it, it could take 10 years. Even like some of the best guys like still haven't made it. Right. You know? So, it's crazy. It, it, it's, it's, it, and the way the year was unfolding, I mean, you know, not a great finish. You didn't make a check it. You fall up, but then you're 13, 23, 37, 11. So you make four straight checks and you got to be thinking, you know, now I'm, 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 I'm in good shape here, man. And I'm going to the St. Lawrence river. It's in my home state. I mean, this is, this is fantastic. And you drop a one ten burger, uh, you know, on the grill. Yeah. And, and worst it's like, finish, what happened? Worst finish of the year. <laughs> yeah, worst finish. Worst finish of the year. <laughs> and you so gotta be bad. thinking, you, you gotta come out of that thinking you blew it there and then come back with the oh. 22nd in Tennessee and then win, you know, at, at Lake of the Ozarks, put yourself back in position. But I mean, there were so many moments in time, this whole thing could have gone sideways. Oh man, I looked at um, my my uh, social media guy and camera guy uh, Lee. He was he was sitting next to my boat, and I was basically I wasn't crying, but I felt like crying. And Tyler Williams had a really bad finish here as well. And we looked at each other, and we were like, "Well, I'll see you in the open next year." And Lee was like, "No, you're you you. I think you can make it still." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah," but it's crazy how it works out. Honestly, just it. That's why you can't give up. I mean, not to be Mike Agnelli, but you really can never give up because this sport's so crazy. Like, I could have easily said I have four fish for seven pounds and change. I need 11. Let's just go in and put it on the trailer. Or let's try to get close to the launch. You know, there's so many variables, but you, the one thing you can control is not giving up. And that 14 ounce, I mean, it's sort of similar to how, you know, I won the classic. Like, he, right. he caught a, I mean, it wasn't a big fish, right? Like, it's uh it you just can't ever stop and and that's what happened on that last day and gosh i'm so thankful for a 14 ounce bass there you go kyle patrick uh with us here and finally uh, i i know you've been looking at the schedule for sure that elite series schedule and you look at it it's got a couple in texas to start a couple in florida uh, lake murray in south carolina a couple in alabama a couple up north in new york uh as well you gotta love the rhythm of this series as you get ready to embark on it for the first time Oh man, it's so cool. Um, just even reading through the rules, the schedule, it just gives me chills. Like I, 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 being an elite series angler is, is pretty wild um, for me. Cause I've looked up to those guys since I was like 10, 11 years old. I mean, mm. I, since I can remember. So to be one of them, it's just, it's still really almost has it set in. I don't think it'll set in until, um, you know, Dave Mercer is calling my name. Uh, going down the line with you know Daryl Swindle in front of me and Greg Hackney behind there me. There you go. It's yeah. gonna be uh, it's gonna be a crazy experience. But no, I 
I also think that schedule it's really it's pretty great for travel wise. They, yeah. they set it up really nicely. Yeah, um, no, they set it up real, yeah. real good. And it'll be ten tournaments for you next year because you got the classic as well that you earned through uh through your victory at Lake of the Ozarks. Well, Kyle, congratulations. Winners come on. Uh, top three actually on the elites come on. So hopefully we'll be talking to you again uh next year and uh, we wish you the best of luck. Hope so, man. Thanks for having me again, and uh, have a good one. All right, thank you. That's Kyle Patrick. I like this kid, man. I'm telling you, he's going to be a star. All you got to do is catch him. He's going to be a star. When we return, another new elite. He is Logan Parks. Yeah, you know that name. He's next on Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio on the Bassmaster Radio Network. Rapala is one of the most respected names in all of the fishing industry. The finest balsa wood baits with the best action. The DT series, the Brat Square Bells, and the Shad Wrap are all legendary. But did you know that Rapala also makes high quality rain gear and every kind of fishing accessory you can imagine? Plus, under the Rapala family of brands, you'll find VMC hooks and terminal tackle, suffix mono, fluoro, and braided lines, terminator spinner baits, jigs, and frogs, plus the Storm Arashi line of baits. Learn more at Rapala.com. That's Rapala.com and start catching more fish. Tom Abraham here for my friends at North Alabama Mortgage. Did you know that average home equity is at an all-time high? But so is average consumer debt. Even though rates are higher now, you can use your equity to pay off your high consumer debt, student loans, etc. Then refi when the rates drop. Don't put off that new home purchase. When rates drop, prices will go up. Buy now and get the best price and then refi when the rates drop. This is the time to talk to the experts at North Alabama Mortgage. Visit NorthAlabamaMortgage.com for more information. There's so much to do, see, and experience in Anderson, South Carolina. Plan your next outdoor adventure with a visit to Lake Hartwell, boating, fishing, hike and bike the nearby trails, experience some history, and after, enjoy the numerous restaurants, shops, and experiences Anderson has to offer. Visit Green Pond Landing right there on Lake Hartwell. Perfect launch point for pleasure boating, fishing, kayaking, or just a nice walk beside the water. Come see why Anderson is called South Carolina's Bright Spot. Check it out at visitanderson.com. That's visitanderson.com. John Cruz and Missile Baits have done it again. This time they have teamed with Hog Farmer Baits to bring you the Spunk Shad. This bait can be fished like a swim bait or as a trailer on your favorite bladed jig. And now they are available from Missile Baits. Also new this year is the Magic Worm, which did some serious damage on tour last year. They could just call that one the Moneymaker. Missile Baits is also home to the classic D-Bomb, the Baby D-Bomb, the Quiver Worm, and one of my favorites, the Destroyer and Baby Destroyer. Go to MissileBaits.store to learn more. That's Missile Baits. Welcome back to Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio. Now, here's your host, Tom Abraham. Yeah, welcome back, Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio. And now a chance to talk to a guy. I've been talking to this kid for a few years now because he had such great success at Auburn as a college fisherman. And then he and his partner, Tucker Smith, uh, they, they, all they did was go out and win about a million dollars if they split and trucks and boats and everything else in the Bass Pro Shops uh, uh, Championship a couple of years ago. And, uh, and now he is an Elite Series angler. It didn't come easy for Logan Parks. But he is an elite series angler. Logan, welcome back to the show. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Tom. How are you doing? I am I am fantastic. You and I have had a few. You've been on this show a few times. I mean, you had that little snafu with Auburn back in the day, and, and we covered that. And you guys obviously were so good as a team with you and Tucker. And uh, um, so this isn't like your first rodeo coming on the show. No, I think I've been on two or three times, but it's always a good time. And if I'm, uh, if I'm getting on the show, it must be... Must mean I'm doing something right. Well, you certainly did something right by making the Elite Series now uh, in just really kind of a couple of years of, of trying to make it. And now you make it finishing eighth in the Angler of the Year points. But this didn't come easy. I mean, you know, after day one at the Harris Chain, you had fallen out of the top ten. And, uh, of course, you know, nine guys making it, but it was top ten because Kenta Kimura was in the top ten as well, which kind of helped out uh, a few guys. But you, uh, you know, after day one, would have, you know, know eight and a half pounds or so at the Harris chain you had fallen out and you needed a big day on day two to get yourself back in just talk about that a little bit yeah man I was sweating it for sure I I had a really tough practice and honestly a tough you know tough week leading up to the tournament and I I I never really got around fish I thought I I could catch to do really really well in the tournament and Mm -hmm. I figured that's what I needed to do to make it I mean I was kind of one of those guys in the position that I had to catch them at the last one. I wasn't one of those like rather, you know, comfortable guys, unfortunately, but, um, 
day one was a struggle. I think I had nine pounds, five ounces. Right. I was in 107th, which was honestly better than I thought that would have been. I can't believe how, uh, how low the weights were for that week, really. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I went home and just, you know, talked with my roommates. I roomed with John Garrett, who also qualified, um, Jake Maddox. And, uh, we, you know, we just talked about how our days were and, you know, got some ideas of some more stuff to try for the next day. That was something that was, I think, crucial this year was kind of just working together with my roommates. Um, last year I kind of went more of solo approach. And so having a good group of guys that you can trust, I think that was really important to our success this season. But, um, you know, went out day two with a new game plan. I, my target weight in my head was I needed about 13 pounds and I ended up weighing in 11, 11. That ended up being enough, but I, I really thought that I blew it on the way into the, to the ramp. Um, that was a, kind of a sad ride home and then it turned around pretty quickly when we got back and i started looking at the leaderboard that 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 is uh i was going to ask you about that ride in you know take me through that the emotions of coming in you know knowing that you're you're you got about 21 pounds total and um you're thinking that it's not enough to get you in and i don't know where you were fishing how you know some of the guys fishing in harris it doesn't take very long to get back to the ramp the guys that were fishing in apopka or carlton or you know a little little longer ride back in but just take me through those emotions as you're coming in because it's a long grinding season you had been in the top 10 uh, throughout a big chunk of the season and you're coming in and you're thinking like oh my gosh i'm gonna miss this yeah i uh i, I knew i had about 10 pounds and I decided to come back into Big Harris for the last 30 minutes or so. And I uh, started fishing, and my co-angler just kind of flipped behind me and caught a six-pounder. Oh, and I'm like, I'm like, this is the fish that I needed, dude. Like, I mean, obviously, he didn't do nothing wrong. He just threw something that I would have never thrown in a place I would have never even casted. But mm. in my head, I'm like, I've got a one-pounder. That six-pounder would have done it. And, uh, the very next cast, I caught a three pounder cold out a one pounder. So that got me up to I think whatever I weighed in 11, 11, 11, 11. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, well now in 17 to five, I need one more three pounder. I think. And, uh, I fished, I pushed it, man. I fished my butt off and, uh, I was about, I was over in little Harris and it was, it was rather windy. So I, I was probably about 10 minutes from the ramp. I think I ended up checking in with like 30 seconds left, wow. <laughs> not knowing that I was like, you know, not only that I was in, but I would have made it without that coal. Like all I needed, I think ended up doing with the math was nine pounds on day two, too, which is crazy to me. But, um, I mean, last year I finished seventh in the points and we didn't have that EQ system right. and they ended up taking six through the double qualifiers and, uh, I, I coming so close, man, it was heartbreaking. And so riding in on uh Saturday, I'm like, Gosh, dude, I mean, you, you don't get these opportunities very often to be in, you know, going into the final event and have a little bit of a lead. And, like, you know, the opportunity that I had was was perfect, and I, I kind of felt like I just blew it, and I was really, really down on myself. Um, and I checked in, and uh, my fiancé and my roommates ran over to the boat, and they're, like, asking me what I got and started giving me some hope. So I – Quickly, uh, it was just—it was really a roller coaster of emotions, dude. Yeah. I mean, when I threw the the buoy, the fob in, and turned my boat number in, I was just real, real sad. And then, uh, <laughs> as soon as that power pulled down, I got really happy. <laughs> <laughs> that six pounder for your co angler probably put him in the money. I mean, it didn't take much, you know, to get a check on the on the coast side. There were a lot of small fish being caught, you know. And 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 Kyle Patrick, we just talked to him. You know, he was the last man in. He caught a 14-ounce fish with 10 minutes to go, and that put him in. It jumped him over uh, Bobby Lane and, and ended up uh, getting him in. And uh, and so you had that little call, but it turned out, as you say, you didn't need it. And and looking at your season itself, I mean, you came out guns a-blazing. I mean, you follow, which isn't too far from the house for you. Uh, you know, you finished eighth right off the bat, make a nice little check there. And then you didn't really have a bomb bomb, you know, like the last year you had that one at the, uh, uh, at the red river where you finished 114th, but you know, this year, 50, 33, 39, 49, it was very, very consistent. The St. Lawrence river was your worst tournament. And then you came back, you know, 40, 24. So it wasn't like you were making a bunch of top tens, but you weren't bombing. And, uh, and I think that ends up being really the key to making it to the elites for you. 
Yeah, Tom, I uh, I told myself going into this season that if I could avoid that 100th or worst finish, mm-hmm. um, that I, I think I have a pretty good chance at making it. Because even last year, I felt like I, I had a pretty consistent season. Unfortunately, it wasn't a uh, consistent uh, consistently making money season. Yeah. <laughs> I had like a, and this year was the same way. I mean, I had a bunch of finishes between 40th and 50th and, you know, just, just right there. So close to getting paid, but not getting a check. But I mean, that seems to be kind of what you, what you need to average right around that 40th place mark. And luckily I had some, some high finishes to, uh, to kind of pull that average up and, I, I pretty much hovered around that, you know, 40. I think I ended up with like a 40th average. Um, that, and I mean, that seems to be, uh, I, I never would have expected it to have been, to these guys have caught them this good. I mean, wow. based on the weights from last year and the averages from last year and how dramatically they've increased this year with the EQ system, it's really been surprising to me. And uh, just, Really thankful that uh, I avoided that bomb this season. I think 72nd at the St. Lawrence was uh, was the worst one that I had, and um, and then uh, everything else, you know, is pretty. I would say pretty solid. And I would think you'd want to take that mentality into the elites as well. I mean, when you're talking about making classics, um, you know, certainly you fish to win tournaments. There's no doubt about it. But you do want to kind of protect the floor, right? You want, you want that ceiling, but you want to protect the floor and make sure that you're having consistent finishes because ultimately that, that'll put you, that'll land you in classics, uh, you know, when you're fishing against 100 of the best anglers uh, on the planet and uh, need to make the top 40 or so to make sure that you secure your spouse, uh, a spot in the classic. Yeah, I, I totally agree. The classic has been, you know, that's kind of like the next step for the the goals that I laid out for myself. Make the elites. Now it's, you know, we're looking at rookie of the year, classic, making the classic. Some goals like that, and goals have changed, but it remains that you need to be consistent and you got to catch them everywhere you go. And I'm honestly pretty thankful that I didn't make it last year in the long run because I don't know that I would have been quite as prepared as I feel like I am now. I've learned a lot and, you know, going out there and fishing those opens, there's really no better way to learn Mm -hmm. than just putting in the time on the water. And I've got to work on a few things. Um, one of those being, you know, you've got to catch a limit every single day of every single tournament. Mm -hmm. And I caught, uh, I had four fish three times this year. It was day two at the St. Lawrence day one at Bugs Island and day one at Watts bar and, you know, that really could have cost me. Thankfully it didn't, but that's, you know, the difference in potentially a hundred something points right there. No doubt about it. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, that's one thing that I'm definitely going to try and focus on next year is just trying to make sure that no matter what, I've got to get that limit every single day of every single competition. Bash Pro Shops uh, Pro Logan Parks has been our guest. He's a new elite, and uh, congratulations again, man. Great stuff. I appreciate uh, what you've done this year, and we'll look forward to seeing you out there next year. Thanks, Tom. I'm really excited. All right, thank you. That's Logan Parks. All right, when we return, JT Tompkins. He's the dude that uh, won the AOI. He's next right here on Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio on the Bassmaster Radio Network. At Phoenix Boats, everyone has a passion for bass fishing. From the founder and Elite Series Pro, Gary Klaus, down to the guy who affixes the final decal. Gary says, this passion has shaped our lives and it has brought about many of the fishing features that you see on the Phoenix today. Our goal is to make every boat that goes out the door the best fishing platform it can be in both design and construction for our customers. When I toured the plant, it was clear that Phoenix uses only the highest quality materials and that the craftsmanship was second to none. I'm Tom Abraham and I too run a Phoenix boat and am extremely proud to carry the Phoenix logo on my gear. I've known Gary Klaus since he started the company and what he, Teresa Johnson, and the rest of the team at Phoenix Boats have created is truly remarkable. The highest quality boats built by anglers for anglers. This isn't just a saying, it's a passion at Phoenix. View the entire lineup at phoenixboats.com and get started on yours today. Take it from me, it's time to experience the Phoenix difference.
Hey gang, Tom Abraham here for my friends at 13 Fishing. I can't tell you how excited I was to learn that two-time Bassmaster Angler of the Year, Gerald Swindle, had teamed up with the crew at 13 Fishing to build the ultimate rod and reel series that combines quality with a price point that works for all. The result is the metal line of rods and the Inception G2 line of reels designed to the exacting standards of the G-Man. This is the same gear Gerald bagged over 100 pounds of fish with at Lake Fork last season. Look for them this spring. John Cruz and Missile Baits have done it again. This time they have teamed with Hog Farmer Baits to bring you the Spunk Shad. This bait can be fished like a swim bait or as a trailer on your favorite bladed jig. And now they are available from Missile Baits. Also new this year is the Magic Worm which did some serious damage on tour last year. They could just call that one the Moneymaker. Missile Baits is also home to the classic D-Bomb, the Baby D-Bomb, the Quiver Worm, and one of my favorites, the Destroyer and Baby Destroyer. Go to MissileBaits.store to learn more. That's MissileBaits.store store. Tom Abraham here for my friends at North Alabama Mortgage. Are you thinking about home improvements? Well, use your equity now and refi later. Or use your equity to eliminate consumer debt forever, then refi to a lower rate and shorter term when rates drop. North Alabama Mortgage can also help you if you're thinking about buying an investment property or a second home at the lake or the beach or in the mountains. We have great programs to make that happen. Visit NorthAlabamaMortgage.com to learn more. That's NorthAlabamaMortgage.com. There's so much to do, see, and experience in Anderson, South Carolina. Plan your next outdoor adventure with a visit to Lake Hartwell, boating, fishing, hike and bike the nearby trails, experience some history, and after, enjoy the numerous restaurants, shops, and experiences Anderson has to offer. Visit Green Pond Landing right there on Lake Hartwell. Perfect launch point for pleasure boating, fishing, kayaking, or just a nice walk beside the water. Come see why Anderson is called South Carolina's Bright Spot. Check it out at visitanderson.com. That's visitanderson.com. Rapala is one of the most respected names in all of the fishing industry. The finest balsa wood baits with the best action, the DT series, the Brat Square Bells, and the Shad Wrap are all legendary. But did you know that Rapala also makes high quality rain gear and every kind of fishing accessory you can imagine? Plus, under the Rapala family of brands, you'll find VMC hooks and terminal tackle, suffix mono, fluoro, and braided lines, terminator spinner baits, jigs, and frogs, plus the Storm Arashi line of baits. Learn more at Rapala.com. That's Rapala.com and start catching more fish. Welcome back to Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio. Now, here's your host, Tom Abraham. And welcome back to Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio. Now, the one we've been waiting for. The guy that was the AOI in the uh, opens season and uh, and had a season... It, it it's just it's amazing. I mean, it rivals really. To be honest with you, it rivals um, you know what Seth Fighter did a few years ago when he won the AOI on the elites. I mean, this kid was just nails all season long, and he joins us on the VMC hook. He is JT Tompkins. JT, welcome back to the show. Congratulations on the AOI. Thank you so much. I appreciate you inviting me on the show today. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, you have the season that you've had, and there's no no doubt that we're going to talk to you. And, of course, you are now an Elite Series angler. And uh, it just, you know, to look at these, these results, uh, to finish in the money nine uh, in, in eight out of the nine open events, and just to let our listeners know, you're talking about 200, 225 uh, professional anglers in each one of these events, and the top 40 get a check. Got to check in eight out of nine events. The worst finish, I think, 48th on the season, and that was in the first event of the year, the only one you didn't make a check-in. And you had uh, four top tens, which is mind-boggling. I mean, can you put it into perspective when you look back and just figure out how it was that week in and week out, tournament in and tournament out, that it went so well for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I really can't, you know, explain it. I just, you know, I got in a rhythm, you know, once it, you know, I won a tournament late in the year last year. And then I, I think I got on a roll last year where I had six or seven checks in a row. And that momentum just kind of carried over to this year with the Bassmaster Classic and everything gave me some confidence that I can compete against the best. And then whenever I got in the, you know, the opens, I think that confidence was a, was a big deal for me this year that whenever I got doing something, I was confident that I was able to do it a lot you know, more efficient than a lot of other people. And I think that confidence is what carried me to 
a lot of these finishes this year. Uh, you got the win last year on the Upper Chesapeake. That's how you got into the Bassmaster Classic, but that didn't put you on the Elite Series. But you did finish strong, as you said, uh, down, going down the stretch, uh, four, uh, three or four straight checks there uh, to end the season. Uh, momentum. You talk about momentum. Momentum in fishing. Explain that. I mean, is, is it is it is it confidence based? Is that what it is? Because you would think momentum wouldn't necessarily be a thing in a tour that uh, a tour that goes you know north to south and uh, and basically all over the country. Yeah. So I think the main thing is is that you know a lot of fishing is making decisions on the water, and whenever you get on a roll of making good decisions, it gives you more confidence making making those decisions again. So I think once, you know, once I got to the point where I started making really good decisions that, you know, I wasn't being hesitant. And the thing is the bass fishing is staying in the best stuff for longer than everybody else. Like if you put your bait in front of more fish than everybody else, most of the time you're going to do better. Mm -hmm. So I think that when it comes down to decision-making, the more confident you are making decisions, the faster you'll make decisions, you know, let's say you start in the morning and you're throwing a buzz bait and you don't get a blow up, you know, for three hours, you know, you're probably wasted two and a half hours of fishing to where, you know, if you have confidence making decisions, you can pull that plug. You will learn to pull the plug in 30 minutes. So you almost get two and a half hours extra of fishing over everybody else in that field that day. Right. And I think a lot of where my good finishes came from is instead of making decisions in three hours, having the confidence to do it so much earlier and, you know, doing it 30 minutes, you know, I was getting technically more fishing time in every single turn because my decisions were being made so fast and, and because of that confidence that I received. So yeah. I think that's a big deal. Yeah, it does. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So let's learn a little bit about you. Myrtle beach, South Carolina. Um, that doesn't necessarily equate to, you know, bass fishing territory, right? I mean, how far inland do you got to go, uh, growing up, you know, where you're, where you're able to get into some good bass fishing waters. Well, so I live on the Winyaw Bay. You know, there was a tournament a couple right. of years, back to back years with the Bassmaster Elite Series, but it's a very, you know, it's a very um, one dimensional fishery, I've had to say, mm-hmm. and it's not very good. It's, I mean, even a lot of the elite guys, it's known to be one of the worst fisheries in, in America, right up there with like Red River, Sabine. So, um, yeah, I mean, for good bass fishing, I would say I'm probably two and a half hours away from the closest bass fishery mm. that is, you know, has legitimate learning experiences. You know, you can come to Renyal Bay and, you know, learn how to, you know, get the general grip of fishing, casting, setting the hook, breaking down patterns, learning how to run tides. That's one thing that I've, you know, I've always have to think about the Renyal Bay is number one, learning how to grind it out in tough tournaments. Right. Number two, fishing shallow and the number three fishing tides. So definitely those, three or four things I, I can equate to living on the Winyaw Bay, you know, living two minutes away from the river. But for other, you know, more versatile types of bass fishing, I'm probably two and a half hours away from. Yeah. Now, look, um, you're going to be an elite series, so you got uh, angler, so you need to kind of learn the, the proper terms here. Now, that's tough fishing, not not worst fishing. <laughs> it's, you need to say tough fishing because uh, we don't want to insult these people at Winyaw Win- Bay or at the Sabine or any place like that. Those are tough fisheries, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, but it's, it's, it's amazing how it went for you once you got to Bugs Island because, you know, that's a, that's in Virginia. You're eight there. You're 11 at uh, Wheeler, which is tough fishing for me. I have always struggled at Wheeler. I call that tough fishing. But you were 11th there. Uh, go to the other Eufaula in Oklahoma, 14th, and then 7th at Waddington, and 2nd at, uh, at Watts Bar. Um, I mean, you really got it rolling at that particular point in time. Are those bodies of water that you had had much experience on, or are you going in with fresh eyes and just finding stuff you know, completely new? So Wheeler Lake, I've never been to. Bugs Island, never been to. You follow Oklahoma, I've never been to. Watts, I've never been to. But St. Lawrence River and um, Paris, I have been to. So a lot of them were very new places I've never been to. Mm-hmm. And really, the newer the place, the more open I feel with, you know, my mind's not clogged up. I feel like I can make decisions a lot faster because there's not as many things running through my mind. So I think that was part of it was it being new fisheries I've never been to and, you know, having the ability to break down those bodies of water so quickly, you know, with a fresh mind. So I think that's some of it, but also I just think, you know, they fit my style. I like to fish, you know, in 
I like places where I can mix it up, where I can spend some time offshore and spend some time shallow. Mm-hmm. And I will do that at most of those fisheries. You know, Wheeler, I spent some time super shallow, and I also spent some time pretty deep. And then same thing at Bugs Island, you know, Watts Bar, all of them. I had, you know, I had a perfect mix between shallow and deep, and that's really where I like to, that's where I feel confident is when I can mix those two together. So I think that has to be why I feel like I did good. Right, right, and and now you fish these uh, these opens for a minute. Uh, it's been, it's been you know three or four years fishing the opens, and and obviously this monster year that you had this year, with the elite schedule as it is next year, do you find the do you think you might be cherry picking any opens, or is this going to be one hundred percent focused on just the elites? I really don't know. Like I haven't quite made that t- decision yet. One hundred percent. You know, I might cherry pick some, but my main focus next year is going to be rookie of the year. And I feel like my best chance to win rookie of the year is dedicate 100% of my time and energy to it. So what a, it might end up a strictly nine tournament schedule right. because of, you know, that reason. So I might, that might be what I'm going to do, but we'll see. Now there's the marketing part of this whole thing as well. I would imagine you're now in the early stages of, uh, you know, getting your boat deal taken care of and getting your uh, title sponsor taken care of and, and those types of things as well. Um, Cause it takes a lot more obviously than just the, uh, you know, just the winnings typically. I mean, you know, cause you don't necessarily always make a check in eight out of nine tournaments. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, it, it's going to come down to, you know, making a decision with sponsors too. So it's, you know, I got to figure out sponsors, boat deals, and then I got to figure out how I'm going to pay for these opens and then also strategically planning my fishing year. Yeah. All without, you know, I can't I can't dedicate my entire time to the marketing and sponsor side of it. I also have to make sure I can still, you know, catch fish just as good as I can. So it's all going to be, you know, learning how to delegate time. Let's yeah. delegate time, all of it, you know, mixed together. So it's definitely going to be a learning experience when it comes to that side. Um. You start with two in Texas. I would imagine you've spent a little time looking at this schedule uh, since it's been out with the elite schedule. I mean, you've been pretty much locked in for a few months right now because you you led this thing, uh, the AOI, for a while. But do you like the flow of this schedule with two in uh, Texas and then two in Florida and then Lake Murray, which uh, you might have a little bit of experience on over your way, and a couple in Alabama, a couple in New York. It's kind of a nice, nice rhythm to it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I... I'm getting with any schedule they come out with, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, but it definitely does look like a schedule that I like, and I'm going to try to get out there and try it out, but, um, no, I mean, some of the lakes I've never been to Fork, I've never been to, you know, I've spent a little bit of time on Smith, and never been to St. John, so there's definitely some new places I've never been to, and some places that I have been experiencing, so I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to come down to making good decisions, and Prepacking properly and putting in my time. That is St. Croix Bassmaster Opens LY JT Tompkins. What a great kid. Remember, if you missed any of this week's show, just to click away at Bassmaster.com forward slash radio or visit Bassmaster.com and click on the Anglers page and you'll see Bassmaster Radio listed right there. So until next time, keep those lines tight and nets heavy. I'm Tom Abraham, and this has been Phoenix Post Bassmaster Radio on the Bassmaster Radio Network. <laughs>